Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome everyone. I'm going to apologize early because I'm probably going to sniff and I'm, I try to cut that out in the editing, but uh, when I have a cold or something, it a lot of it gets through. But I have a cold, so okay. I'm sniffing. Okay, well, hope you feel better. Um, so I guess I, it's been kind of a bad week uh, for me and I guess for a lot of people, but... Um, Let's see, I don't even remember what day it was, but on Saturday I had to attend a funeral. Um, I don't know. You know, when someone says, this guy was my best friend, it could mean a lot of different things. Um, you know, I mean, there are friends I have right now I would describe as my best friends, and they're people I see fairly often, and depend on for advice and support and whatever. Uh, you know, there's, there's one guy I only see like two or three times a year, but I still think of him as my best friend. Well, um, you guys were very tight growing up. Yeah, we were tight growing up. And then, um, if I called him and asked him for something, he would drop what he's doing and he'd come and do it. So he's still my best friend. Um, but the funeral that I attended, I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you don't get a whole lot of say so in who your friends are. Cause it, I mean, it's kind of a matter of proximity. Yeah. Um, so whoever's in the neighborhood that you can run around with that they become yeah. your friend. Yeah. And it's just because, you know, the, he lives next door. We both like to play with toys and we're the same age. So he's my friend. Um, and there were six of us on Darwin Avenue that were close to the same age. We were very good friends. And because we saw each other every day, there were other kids on Darwin who were the same age, but they lived across the street. We weren't allowed to cross the street. So oh, those right. kids weren't our friends. <laughs> you know, our friends were these six. And out of those six, there was one in particular who... uh you know, as you get older, you start making decisions for yourself and, and people just kind of drift apart. I guess he and I stuck together the longest. I didn't lose touch with him until like late high school. But mm-hmm. until that time, I mean, we did, we did everything that kids do together. And, you know, when you think about, say, the summer for a kid who's not working, I mean, Mom kicked us out of the house by 9 o'clock. It was either get out and do something or I'll give you something to do in here. So Yeah, we didn't have the luxury that a lot of our friends had of being able to sleep in till 10, 11. Yeah, yeah. Mom woke us up and expected us to do something, not just watch TV all day. I don't know, we got our way with it sometimes, but I remember a whole lot of get up before I give you something to do. So, yeah. nine o'clock in the morning, you're outside, you go to your friend's house, and we stay playing until we have to go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from tag to ghost in the graveyard to building forts. Um, that's a long time. That's how it was. Yeah. And over the years, it's like, how, how else could you describe it other than this, this was my best friend? 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, when, when I heard that he had died, uh, it just brought to mind the fact that I, we went in our different directions according to our beliefs. And I don't know what he believed, but I know that if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't feel good about my salvation. I would feel like it's not likely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know what's in another man's heart, but it just, and then it occurred to me, I have several other friends who are like that, who grew up with us. I don't know where they are or what they're doing. And the worst part about all this is, I don't, in the past 20 years, I don't think I said a single prayer for him. Oh, and, right. And now he's dead. We, so it occurred to me, I better start praying for the people who aren't dead. And I can still pray for him because God's not limited by time. But um, here's where we run into our subject. Because usually when I pray, I've got some pretty specific intentions. And it it's like, it's like you have so much prayer energy. And I dedicate all of that to trying to get my kids to heaven that and my family that's the focus of my prayers and when someone you know i meet people and they say i'll pray for this pray for that and i don't know sometimes I'll, i'll add it to a general uh intention but usually i'm i'm i i don't i don't make specific intentions like that because what I'm praying for and what I'm fasting for and what I'm offering up, whatever I'm suffering at the time, you know, the cold I've got right now, that's all going to God and I'm offering it. If it has any merit, I want it to go towards getting my kids to heaven. And so the concern is you take other intentions, throw them in there. And does that dilute yeah. the intent, the intentions towards your kids as far as the prayer it's like yeah because if you know if god's gonna if i if i've got 20 merits i'm just gonna make up words here but to help us think about it or visualize it i have 20 x of merit and uh you know if i have one intention then they all 20 go to that if i have five intentions then each one gets four and it's like it gets four units of merit (laughs) yeah and whoa wait a minute i want all that to go to my kids i gotta get them to heaven that's really my only job in life is to get my wife and my kids to heaven uh so i don't want anything else going anywhere else and i i know that it's not really like that but it still is but if because it seems like there's no way that it could be really like that because it seems like like there's there's no um, there's no way that God could work it in a way that He wants you to constrain your prayer intentions. Right on on the one hand, um, and yet on the other hand, it doesn't quite seem right to just presume that the same prayer act is going to. Um, equally uh merit what whatever uh whatever graces you you can attain or uh from engaging in the prayer that that you know you would apply them to some intentions it it doesn't 
quite seem like you ought to be able to just load the list up and, and all of them um, receive the same prayer power, so to speak. Right. And and there is there is evidence that that doesn't happen. Um, uh, there, I guess there's evidence of both ways of thinking about that. Um, I think I I think it was it was in New Advent, um, the Catholic Encyclopedia talks about the fruits of a mass and the fact that okay the the fruit of one single mass is so is so much that that it couldn't be contained to one intention there i'm not saying it right this is the sacrifice of the mass the the death of jesus and resurrection of jesus christ which was enough to pay one time was was enough to pay for all sin for all time not only pay for sins but to represent uh represents the wrong word uh but um to act as a um an infinite act of uh thanksgiving and praise to the father yeah and through that act of thanksgiving and praise is where comes the merits for uh making reparation for sins and also um prayers of intentions make you know ma- making requests yeah. of god yeah and so it's like there's all this power it's not like you're going to limit it somehow but at the same time uh the the direction that uh it was com- the the article that i read was coming from is that you know if let's say a priest uh you know father so and so up the street he accepts a uh, stipend to hold a mass for a special intention. You know, mm-hmm. I want to. I want a mass for the brother of my soul who died last year. Um, yeah. And then another guy comes in and he wants a mass for his wife. The priest can't accept both those stipends and only have one mass. He has to have one mass right. for each stipend. You because know, I, I read that, um, but. I wonder if part. I wonder if there's a pragmatic um, motive behind the church making that rule, which is that they wanted to avoid priests becoming corrupt by yeah. sort of making a living out of saying mass, where they could a- accumulate, say, you know, three hundred and uh, stipend intentions for a single mass, and kind of live high on the hog just by doing masses with with intentions for people and so by saying no you've got to do a separate mass for each received intention uh each received stipend for an intention that puts a limit on how much they can really do that yeah i would that's kind of what i thought of at first but there is some talk of uh well I'm I'm sorry. I'm reading it right now to find because I thought I read there. There is it's that could be the case. Yeah, there's. But I, I read through that article. I don't too, know if know that's that the only case. It, the article does a good job of dividing the the um, I guess the graces of the mass. You, you could think of it that way, um, or the value of the mass. Yeah, that, that's a good word to use. The value of the mass. Between intrinsic value, which is that which applies to God directly, so thanksgiving and and praise um, are 
directly from the Son to the Father in this act of, of the sacrifice of the cross. And that is infinite. There's, you know, it's total, it's complete, um, and and there's there's no bounds to it. And then there's the extrinsic value of the Mass, which is that uh, value that we humans can receive from the Mass by participating in it, in it and by adding our intentions to it. And the actual reception of those graces in the form of, say, actual graces, like if we pray for an intention of someone to get better um, or, yeah. um, you know, whatever, or if we pray for somebody's soul um, and so it may merit, you know, getting them, say, out of purgatory earlier or whatever, um, those are not so much limited in the sense that there's only so much available from the sacrifice of the cross, but they're limited by the disposition and by the holiness and by the attentiveness and intentionality of the person participating in the mass, whether the per- person, you know, saying the mass as a priest or the person in the pew um, who's attending mass that way. And so yeah. then when you think of that, You've got, okay, so I only have the ability to be so attentive at Mass. I'm going to be distracted. I fail in so many ways when it comes to holiness. I have, um, you know, so much of, of my own sinful baggage that I bring with me. And, and therefore, the amount of, um, of grace that I'm going to be able to, um, merit for my own intentions, my own prayer intentions from the mass is going to be limited by that. So right. in that case, then the more intentions I have, the more perhaps that gets kind of spread out like, like butter on bread or something like that. Or a, um, a pie chart or uh yeah, you got to divide it up like slices of a pie or whatever. You know, it's... Several things here. First of all, um, because when we, when we talk like that, it, it almost sounds like, it almost sounds like some kind of control that we might have, which we don't. That's true. You know? That's true. Like, it, it's not a magic trick. We're asking yeah. God for something and either he's going to grant it or he's not. And it might depend on how much merit we can gain or uh, give for that, or it might not. And even when it does, it still relies on God's goodness. Right. It's still a gratuitous gift. We don't earn it. Even when we merit it, we don't earn it. It's not like he owes us in any sense. Right. Um, And it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not like, it's not like you're donating money to something. You say, okay, I want this money earmarked to only be used for this. Yeah, yeah. Or anything. It's not like that. And, and, and yet I, it's hard not to think of it that way. And even then, it's it's probably a lot more dynamic than we're able to understand. Um, like, for instance, um, I have one child, and when you, you know, all of my time gets devoted to this child, but also all my love. And then... There's another child on my way, on the way, and a lot of parents get scared of that for their second child. They think, well, now, now I'm only going to love him half as much, and it's going to be divided. 
And then the child comes in. It's not like that. Suddenly there's, it's like you got more love to give. Uh, and I, it's probably something like that, that, that changes as we, uh, as we add intentions. But I, I think like one of the examples that was given is, uh, the, uh, St. Monica, the, the mother of, uh, Saint Augustine, Saint Augustine. Mm-hmm. Augustine. Um, see, I, you know, I don't. I call him Augustine sometimes and Augustine sometimes. Oh yeah, me too. I, I and switch back and, and forth my, with no particular pattern or reason. reason. Yeah, I, I even, I mean, my my youngest son's middle name is uh, Augustine. You, you'd think you'd have settled on that, <laughs> right? But I still don't. Have a definite way of saying it. Anyway, um, she prayed exclusively for his salvation. And she was a saint. So it's not like it was just normal prayers. She had a lot mm-hmm. of merit. Yeah. And, and then, but look what God, okay, so she could have prayed for the world and included his salvation as, as a, um, as an additional intention. Maybe even right. as a main intention. Okay. Let, Let's say that she could have done that, but she didn't do that. Instead, she she prayed exclusively for his salvation. Now, look at all the people in the world since then who are saved and who grow in holiness because of the writings and sermons of Saint Augustine. Right, right. She the the fruit came to us, whether she intended or not. And there, but there are plenty of saints who uh, added intentions to everything they did and they would almost it seems like offhandedly ask for something and receive it immediately you know mm-hmm. m- miraculously um sometimes and things that weren't even spiritual related you know people like padre pio would ask for all kinds of things and get it um you know i started thinking maybe it's it's i kind of Think of it like the sun and the sun's energy, um, because the sun, for all for our practical purposes, the sun is limitless energy, and it's this giant nuclear reactor hanging out in the middle of nowhere, and we're so far away from the sun that we, the Earth, the planet Earth, gets about one billionth of the energy of the sun. Yeah. Because it, the sun's radiating everywhere, not just at Earth. We just get this tiny, tiny little part of it. But you, you could see what it does. It, it mm-hmm. does pretty much everything for us. And then on the surface, we're this tiny speck of that one billionth, like one billionth of one billionth when we sit out and try to get a tan or something. But yet, all that energy that does so much in the the movements of the clouds and the uh, the things that happen in the, in the Earth, mm-hmm. um, we still sit out under it every day, and it it gives us that tan. But gradually, it's not like we go out and get it and then go back in. It's it's a gradual thing. And I guess I, I would think of grace as kind of like this giant solar collector 
like a solar panel. You're trying to, you're trying to capture the energy of God or the grace of God. And you do this by praying, by fasting, by living good. And, uh, so we've got these big grace panels, these collectors that are trying to collect this grace. And of course we want to direct it somewhere. Um, but the thing is, I, I don't think it's, it's actually not like a solar panel where we can collect it all and then use it for something. It's more like mm-hmm. a, uh, it's more like a mirror where we might reflect it, uh, to someone else or magnify it for something else. And I think when God allows it, sometimes we might use it like a magnifying glass that, that, that focuses in on one thing. But I don't think that happens real often. Like, like sometimes the power of God is apparent in our lives in a huge way. And it's like all of that grace just went to one little thing to make it happen. But usually not. All of the, all of the things that we want to give grace to, to, to all the things that we ask for, all of our attentions sit out there under the sun collecting light and uh, we just keep praying that those things thrive and or tan the way we want them to. And it's, I think the more intentions we have, maybe the bigger that panel can get. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's, that's interesting because I, I was kind of reflecting on that same thing about, you know, multiplying intentions and that kind of stuff after, um, and, and in our podcast, we've a couple of times touched on some of the injury, injury, imagery from yeah. the book of Revelation. And there's the one image of the angel with uh, the incenser and the incense smoke that's going up to the, the Father in heaven is the prayers of all the faithful that is going up and is a pleasing odor to God. And I think, you know, every prayer you make, both specific words of prayers and things like the acts, you you know, the, your good acts during the day, if you've made a, a good um, morning intent, you know, morning yeah. offering, and all the intentions, like you're going to say a rosary, okay, okay, every, every intention that you take the time to voice when you're saying your rosary, every one of these things is another bit of incense, uh, smoke that goes up to God and that becomes part of a pleasing odor to him. And so, right. and that's what he responds to. So the, I, I think you're right. I think there's, there's a, a way in which we have to understand the grace of God as, uh, this sort of unimagined, unimaginably, um, bottomless well of, of goodness and yeah. in many ways, uh, again, only limited by our own holiness or lack thereof, all we really have to do is set set the things out there under it in order for it to receive the sunlight. But yeah. of course, if if our you know if we're extremely sinful, well, that forms kind of like a canopy. Regard, we can put the things out on the ground, but if if it's under a canopy, it's not going to. So our sins are, you know, kind of form a canopy that. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Cause it to, to not necessarily reach our intentions so much. Um, but that's, that's a pretty good analogy. You know, there's something else, too, that I think... And this is... I, I started thinking about this just this evening because one of the things that the, um, the New Advent article um, talked about was not just the number of intentions during Mass, but they got a little bit into things like the number of people attending Mass. Of course, all of them bringing their own intentions. And so the question was put, well, does that... If, if all these different people come to the Mass and they all have their own intentions, aside from the intention of the Mass that that the priest has for, you know, that he was given a stipend for, does that mean that we're diluting the Mass by having more people attend? And it, I, I think it's even more miraculous than this, but a good analogy for that is um, think of a uh, like an economy. Okay, if you got if, when you have a guy on an island alone, he can do a certain amount of stuff. He, you know, if you want to call it wealth, you can, but with nobody else to exchange it with, what what does that really mean? Yeah, yeah. But you put two people on the island. And they have different talents and they have different uh, knowledge and ability. And between the two of them, they can create a lot more stuff, uh, both because they've got hands to help each other and because they bring and know different things. And then they exchange their skills with each other in, in ways that are agreeable to both. Well, now you have something of an economy and it creates more wealth, more wealth than the sum that each of them alone could create. Right. Add a third yeah. person and a fourth and a fifth, and the wealth creation grows exponentially. I think it's that way when multiple people are joined together in prayer, whether it's at a mass, at a rosary, or just uniting yourself with the prayer, like when we pray to end abortion or something like that. Yeah. We're uniting ourselves with everybody else praying for that end. And I think there's an economy... Uh, or at least something an, analogous to an economy that's that's going on there. The more people are involved, it it the benefits of that grow far more than what the sum of all of us just individually praying um, would accomplish. You know, that's a perfect analogy, and um, the sad part is that probably only Americans would. Understand that. it, <laughs> you know, true. everybody because, else thinks of economy as a zero sum game. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand why America grew like it did, but it's precisely for that reason that that uh, because of how our economy works, that's how it works, and that's I imagine how prayer would work as well. Um, yeah, the more mirror, the the more people there praying for the more intentions. It uh, each intention also adds to the economy. I kind of think of it like the prayer itself pray, is pleasing. Let's say you and I say a rosary together, okay? And let's say I'm, you know, um, my level of of holiness in my life, you know, and I'm I'm in this, you know, maybe quagmire attached to a lot of various sins and stuff, and so I've got like maybe ten percent. Um, well, like ninety percent shade. Go back to the sun analogy. Yeah. So, so my my canopy is like ninety percent coverage, blocking out the the graces. But 
let's say your canopy is is only 30% coverage. Well, when we pray together, it benefits me without being a detriment to you. The fact that I'm a more sinful person is not going to add to your coverage, but the fact that you're a holier person that I'm praying with is going to open up my canopy somewhat. Right. So... Yeah, that's another good point. I mean, the that's probably where, um, if we thought about it as an economy, where it would start to fall apart. Because yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't give my money to. If I give someone my money, then I don't have the money. But in the creation of wealth, it's not that static. There's, there's, it's more dynamic than that. Yeah, if you have yeah. a free society. The, but the creation um, of wealth is the is the the production activity, not the money. Right. Um so and and so the the addition of a sinner doesn't at all diminish my holiness, uh but it does diminish the sins of the sinner. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's you know something along the lines of what Jesus was was trying to get people to understand when he said things about uh, uh, the, the, he made, you know like receiving a hundredfold you know what what you give for God or something like that. I, I'm not sure which one you're talking about. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go search for this now. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses brothers and sisters and mothers and children lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life now he's not he's not just talking about the reward in heaven he's talking about the the grace that comes to us now in this time right yeah and and i think that that sort of prayer economy that we're kind of dancing around, I, th- I think, I think that's kind of the thing that he's trying to get people to to understand. Yeah, yeah. People, uh, people help each other become holy. It's it's what happens. So if if you're there for Christ um, mm-hmm. and um, bringing to Christ not just your intentions but those of your brothers can only make that happen more. So we shouldn't be afraid to add intentions to our prayers. At the same time, there is something to be said for something like, look, I I really care about this person's salvation, so I'm going to do this specific devotion only for that intention. Mm-hmm. Um, I... In light of what we've already said, I think it's just part of the mysterious nature of God and grace and of prayer in general that the the idea of having a certain amount of merit and distributing that merit does still kind of apply. It's just not as, again, it's not like a magic trick or something that we can control. Yeah, a way to think of it, I think, could be this, that when you pray, of course, you know, prayer, we, we learn in grade school, has 
four intentions, only one of which is asking God for stuff, uh, favors, of, you know, whatever, blessings and so forth. Right. Um, the first, uh, and, and the, the first three being um, adoration or, or praise and thanksgiving. The third, of course, reparation for our sins. And then the last intention is um, petitions. So the last reason for prayer is petitions. But if we pray well and constantly and make prayer a part of our lives such that we grow into a constant awareness of God's presence, of God's love for us, of God's desire for us to be holy, and continue to respond to that, whether we feel like we need to focus our prayers on a singular intention to which perhaps we feel like we need to devote our lives, or we pray for, you know, myriad things, or we pray, you know, with intentions that, that are just the latest intention that came our way and we're constantly... Whichever way it is, if we keep on that path of prayer and let our prayer life make us closer to, more aware of God and of his love for us, God will, through our prayer, through what we merit in our prayer, bless us and those around us and the world appropriately according to his plan. Yeah. I think that's that's how, that's the only way it makes sense to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it it's I guess the big point is that it's not it's not something you should worry about. Right. Right. Um, if if you feel like you need to be singularly devoted to a thing, like like for me, I, I I'm kinda with you. It's the salvation of my children. Um unless you you know, there are like points where you're like, I don't know, doing it out of like some kind of weird selfishness. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah. I don't. There's no reason to feel guilty about being uh, single-minded like that in your prayer life. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you're somebody who's always praying for this and that and the other, there's no reason to look at a really big and important thing like abortion and feel guilty that that's not where all your prayer efforts go. Yeah, you know that it. It the point is you've got to continue use your prayer life. Continue to keep growing closer to God, the closer you are to God, the more he's going to bless the world through you uh, in ways that you'll never be aware of until you're, you know, at least in, in this life, you'd probably be aware of it in the next life. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Um, there was there was a, a guy that I prayed for and is part of my daily prayers. And... This guy had a brother who I knew just as well, but for some reason, I didn't pray for him. I just never thought about it. And then one day, this brother who I didn't pray for died. You started feeling guilty, didn't you? Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, why didn't I pray for both of them? Um, and, and I was praying for conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy who didn't die... Did convert. Well, now he can pray and for his brother's soul. Now he can pray for his brother's soul, but I, it wasn't until a long time later that I found out that the one who did die also converted. Oh, see? You, it's, again, it's part of the mystery of God's power and that we just, 
we have intentions. We give those to God. Sometimes we need to add to them. Sometimes we're reminded to add to them. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, again, my friend died and it's like, I, I just can't believe I haven't prayed for him in the past 20 years. So now I've got to pray for all these guys who I remember playing with as kids who come up out of, you know, who I haven't even thought of in 10 years, 15, 20 years. Um, but now I've got a bunch of more people I have to pray for. Um, you're going to have your litany of old friends. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, there's also two ways of dealing with that. There's, um, you know, there's some people who say, I want to pray for all the people I pray for. And then they, when they find someone that they need to pray for, they just add it to that list and trust that God will keep track of that list. Oh, right. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, but I think mm-hmm. there is something to be said for mentioning specific people by name. Yeah. Naming each one. That's, that's kind of like what, what, yeah, that's like, like I've got a set of prayer intentions that, you know, and, and every morning I recite them. Um, and I could just say, in fact, one, sometimes if like there, I'm in a rush or something like that, I'll say, okay, yeah, for all the intentions that I normally pray for. But, um, but I think there's value in reciting them. I think it, it's not like it's going to offend God or take away something to, to uh to say them as you know to like like you said just okay for for everybody yeah. that I norm that I want to pray for um at the same time taking the time and the a little bit of extra effort and the mental energy to recite even if it becomes just sort of like a litany um the intentions the people whatever um, like I, I believe that really adds, you know, tiny particles to that incense in, in the book of Revelation. Yeah. As, yeah, as you had pointed out, it's pleasing to God. That's what yeah, he it wants. It pleases God that you would do that without offending him if you don't. That's part of the magic of prayer. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I have too much more to say on that. Uh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, I feel a lot better okay. about my prayer life now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll go to current events then. Um, you know, the, have you heard that Pope Francis is uh, the the Vicar General of Rome? I don't even know what that means. This, I mean, he's. I guess the the Bishop of Rome is. Pope Francis. So I guess the vicar yes. general is like his right hand man. Yeah, he's he. That's that's kind of what he is. Um, okay. Monsignor Shadle, who used to be the pastor at Holy Rosary, he was also the vicar general of um, Archbishop uh, Beekline when he was the Archbishop of Indianapolis. Okay. And and I you know I hung out with him sometimes, and, and he would tell me like like if there's like if there's a priest that's getting out of line, like if the bishop receives a a uh, letter from someone or a call from someone complaining about a certain priest somewhere in the diocese. Well, he's the one that the bishop can say, you got to go talk to him like that, okay. you know, so. So the uh, vicar general for Rome, Cardinal Angelo de Donatus, has banned the Tridentine uh, mass for Easter Triduum. Oh, wow. So in Rome. You can have, you know, your daily mass, but for the Easter Triduum, you cannot have the Tridentine in, in Rome. Rome. 
Right. And this is the part that kind of... He also banned completely all the other sacraments in the Tridentine Rite. Oh, really? So, no Tridentine Confession, can't have a... You can't have a traditional Latin uh, marriage. And the document that I'm... The report that I'm seeing says all other Tridentine sacraments and sacramentals. I don't even know what the heck that means. What, I can't do the sign of the cross in traditional uh, what Latin? Does it mean to do, yeah, Tridentine sacramental. What does that even mean? I couldn't okay. figure out what that meant. Uh could they be like the hours? How can they ban that? I don't know. They if can't ban considered sacramental prayer? if the hours are even considered sacramentals. But yeah, that's. Uh, I'm gonna Google that real if, quick. If if a priest is obligated to uh, say those prayers every day, could it be that saying the prayers in the the traditional Latin ones, which is actually a different prayer, would not fulfill that obligation? Maybe. Well, that could be, and, and that that might be something that he's doing. But I don't think that would be considered a sacramental, and it's certainly not a sacrament. Um, yeah. In fact, the divine office is kind of part and parcel with the Mass. Together, they form the body of Catholic liturgy. And so when, you know, by saying, you know, like if the Pope says you can't, perform the tridentine form of the liturgy except under these circumstances or you know something like that then that would apply to the divine office but it doesn't sound like he's doing that he's saying other sacraments and sacramentals but i don't think that would apply to the divine office because the divine office is part of the liturgy along with the mass it's part of the liturgical uh body and since he's at least in the normal daily sense, allowing the mass in the Tridentine form, then by extension, I would think he's allowing the divine office in that form as well. Well, it's let's... weird. I mean, that's the thing. They get, they get into these. It's like they've got some bee in their bonnet about yeah. the Tridentine form, and then they're making decisions that just don't make sense. That I don't mean they don't make sense in the sense that oh, that's a stupid decision. I mean. That you can't make sense out of what they're trying right. to bind you to. What are you trying? Yeah. What are you saying here? It's um, I don't know. They they do these things and it's like, you know, then they have these big grandiose synods on synodality and talk about how they 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 want to reach out to people and it's like, well, okay, how come how come you're doing this to restrict all the things that. We know are holy, and you're allowing all the things that we know are not holy, and you're not you're not being very synodal to to us. Yeah, you know, you're kind of just kicking us in the pants over and over again, and it's it's pretty sickening. Um, speaking of sickening, uh, so remember we talked about the COP26 conference that. Uh, America and China had agreed to fight climate change. <laughs> that was that was the thing. Well, a number of car manufacturers, including Ford, Mercedes-Benz, etc., agreed to phase out new petrol and diesel cars by 2030. So they're going to phase out making cars that run on gasoline by 
2030. That's eight years from now. Eight years? That's... Uh, And end the sale of fossil fuel vehicles by 2040. Oh, okay. So they're going to phase out creating new models by 2030. And then for the next 10 years after that, all the models that you can get that run on fossil fuels are going to be the same models that existed in 2030. Yeah. And then by 2040, there will be no more fossil fuel cars. Sold new. I don't know. These stupid empty gestures. It's like... It's stupid, but guess what else it is? It's going to hurt poor people. Yeah, it it always does. If they really do it. mm -hmm. I mean, if you were for it, it's like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, And then... I mean, you're going to do whatever makes you the most money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, also at this uh, at this conference, the world leaders have me- reached a major agreement uh, to return next year with stronger plans to curb planet warming emissions and uh, at least double the funding in order to protect the poorer nations from uh, the hazards of a warming planet. That's, well, that that's just a, hits the that, nail that's on That's dumber the than the Senate, yeah. Of exactly what this is all about, the words double the funding. Because this, this is money. whole environmental scam is all about money. Money. It's always money. Um, H5N8 is in Japan. They have called uh, 143,000 chickens uh, at a at an outbreak at one specific farm, I think. Oh, okay. That's a lot of so, chickens at one farm. 143,000. Man. Yeah. But, I guess I mean, that's you, not you that stack many. Those, yeah, I was, I was going to say you stack the cages. I mean, a, a cage, I mean, a chicken will fit in a cage that's, you know, Can one you imagine? feet. Yeah, okay. It's just... It's sad that farms nice are that big. Yeah, I, I, I know. It's not for the birds. It's sad that that's how we've learned to develop food. Yeah. Is that, I mean, it's not, I don't feel like the chicken really is deserving of anything, but no, God but made it, this way to to do yeah, it, and it, it benefits the thousands and millions of small family farms to do it in a more natural way, but that's not the way we're doing it. We're creating mm-hmm. farm factories, and that's how we're doing it now. And it's just, it's bad for us. It's bad for everything, I think, but it is what it is. Um, and that was in Akita. Oh, really? Yeah. That's where that uh, that uh, nun was. Yeah, that visionary with the, the... The statue that, with the... Statue of Akita. Our Lady of Akita, yeah. Lady of Akita, huh. Um, As many as 57,000 home care care home workers are fired or resign in England uh, because of the no jab, no job mandate. Oh. Uh, I don't know what care home workers are. 57,000 care home workers. Workers or care home workers. I, are, are those like people like like in in home nurses and stuff like that? I don't know. You I know, like it, it says once a day or whatever, including cleaners and receptionists. What's a receptionist? That a, is care home maybe a the name of a company? 
You know what? Uh... Oh, I think care home is British for nursing home. Oh, so nursing. Oh, great. So, yeah. That, you know, that's that's one of those things. That's I, disgusting. You had this stupid vaccine mandate. The the uh, you got to dismiss workers and staff in healthcare because they won't get the vaccine. And guess what's going to happen as a result? Bunch of people are going to die because they're not getting healthcare. What's so? Yeah, okay. I I found it now. That's what they're talking about. What's maddening about this is this is after taking all the COVID people, sticking them into the nur- nursing homes where the old people were sure to get COVID. Yeah. And now you're worried about the workers not being vaccinated. Not being... You just took all the infected and put them in there. And now you're worried about the workers not being inoculated with a vaccine that everybody agrees doesn't prevent the spread of the disease anyway. It's just absolutely... Because even with the vaccine, you're still recommended to wear a mask, maintain physical distance, and so forth. It's just insane. And anyone who... I don't understand how there are people who are still on a blue pill with this. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. How I mean, can you really anyone... have to... I, I don't know. You, you've got to be a certain kind of person to to not just be scratching your head and saying, this is so stupid. This is, I all, this is all wrong. This is all it's lies. It's completely wrong. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, I I talk to people and they're, they still don't get it. It's like, how can you not get this? The... It's frustrating, but yeah, I don't know. I the whole world's gone nuts. Um, let's see. European Commission announces its intention to bring the government of Portugal to the European Court of Justice over violations of uh, Directive 2008-50-EC, which limits the amount of certain emissions a country can produce in order to regulate air pollution. So Portugal's creating too much air pollution, and the European Commission is going to, uh, I don't know. Haul them into court? Bring in, call them into court and do what? Be like, you need to <laughs> impose, do this. And they'll be like, up yours. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, that's my point. It, it, I mean, there'll, it, it's there'll be sanctions money. they yeah. can impose as long as Portugal still wants to be part of the EU. Well, yeah, Britain. Yeah, I, I think that's what will happen. Yeah, I think... Hopefully, we're seeing the disintegration of the EU anyway. Eventually. As they do more and more retarded I mean, things, countries yeah. are going to be like, well, I'm not doing that. Oh, That's idiotic. Yeah. I'm not giving you my money. We made this money. Uh, they, it's it's definitely something that the poorer nations are the beneficiaries. And, well, I get you know what? I don't think anyone really benefits from it. No. Other than a few power-hungry politicians. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's clearly benefiting those who get to be sort of the, the power brokers within the, the EU bureaucracy machinery. Yeah. So there was a 6.5 magnitude earthquake in Iran, and it was felt across several cities. But get this. The only reported death is a man 
who was killed by a falling pole. P-O-L-E. Huh. I don't know if it was a flagpole or like a, a electric line or pole There's or what. from Poland. Or <laughs> not a pole. A Polish? I, was gonna, I almost said the other word. Pulling pole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so that was the only death reported. It's just kind of odd. All right. <clears throat> Biden signs in a $1.2 trillion infrastructure investment and jobs act into law. Which... <laughs> Is just same thing, you know, it... it it's about what the kind of thing that uh, Obama did, and it's it's really just a money ring, and it's a way for certain people to get payoffs and stuff like that. It doesn't mm-hmm. actually do anything the same way Obama's didn't. Now, everything yeah. Trump did turned into jobs, turned into money, really turned effective. into yeah, yeah. But this nobody expects anything from this. Yeah, except it'll eventually contribute to the bankruptcy of America. Yeah, because where do you think that $1.2 trillion comes from? It's magic money. It just is printed. Uh, Russia... Okay, so Russia carries out a direct ascent anti-satellite weapon test, uh, meaning that it's from the ground. They just shoot straight up at a satellite... And hit a satellite. Uh, it was a defunct Soviet satellite, uh, Cosmos 1408. But the problem is it created a cloud of debris that they are claiming threatens the ISS, the International oh, Space, Station. Space Station. So, yeah. it, I mean, when you think about how fast the space station is going around the planet, it's it's incredibly fast. Yeah, it's faster than speed. any jet can go on on the planet. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we have jets going Mach three or whatever. That's fast, but the ISS is trailing a lot faster than that. Right. Um. So I guess if there's a cloud of debris there and it's in the way of the space station as it's traveling, yeah, that's going to cause some serious problems. Yeah, but the debris should be traveling too. Because it right. was in orbit, and even though it's broken apart now, it should at least somewhat retain close to the Most same of speed. it should either uh, circle into the planet, fly out the other direction, but I imagine there are chunks here and there that kind of Maybe just they'll end up into an orbit that intersects or something. Right. Yeah, I mean, when you don't have a controlled... Uh, Retirement of a of a craft up there, it mm-hmm. it, it it could do anything, uh, and that's yeah. one of the things that that the uh, the space um, community is complaining about China is because they they have a lot of space junk and they don't control it. Mm-hmm. But oh well. Uh, speaking of space, uh, we have found another moon in uh, going around Saturn. That brings a total of 83 known moons around Saturn. Wow. So so let me ask, are, are these moons around Saturn that we're finding, are, are some of them just like chunks of, of one of the rings that are like big enough to say, now we'll call that a moon? Or are the rings really completely different kind of thing? 
I think so because what what you would have is you'll have the ring, and then in the middle of the ring you've got this moon, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes it's not even round, and it's got a space around it where it has absorbed all the other stuff from the oh, so eventually so you've got like theory, a blank space. Uh, eventually, these, these moons will clean up the rings eventually. Yeah, and then the ring won't be there. I mean, that's... Because okay. I know that's like one of the... When you think of planets around a star, that's one of the definitions that they decided for a planet is that it has to have cleaned up its orbit. Right. Yeah, and if it hasn't, then it's an asteroid or something else. Yeah. Comet. I don't know. Uh, gas prices in the UK and the European Union have increased by 17%. This is after the German energy regulator suspended the approval of Nord Stream 2, which is that pipeline going from Russia to Germany. Oh, right. So, uh, they are saying that the pipeline has to comply with certain German laws. I don't know what they're talking, which laws they're talking about, but it doesn't comply yet, so they've postponed that, I guess. And, or actually, it says suspend, so I don't know if that's a postponement, or they're just saying, hey, it's not going to happen. Or if they're just saying, you do this, and then we can talk, maybe. Um, the British Prime Minister says that the West will have to choose between reliance on Russia and supporting UK, or supporting Ukraine, as reports uh, build up of the Russian military near the border of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So, I guess... Maybe the suspension of the pipeline has some political sides to it. You know, maybe they're saying it's because of the uh, pipeline not being, not complying with German law, but maybe it's really just the fact that, uh, they're trying to help help Ukraine. I don't know. But that's all the news I got. Okay. By the way, uh, I did a quick calculation. Uh, the ISS is traveling at about Mach 22. Wow! I thought <laughs> yeah. it would. I was actually. I, I was like thinking. Nine. <laughs> yeah, I thought. You know, I hope I'm not wrong. I hope it is more than Mach three. And I thought maybe it'd be you know five or six. Would you say twenty two? Twenty two. Twenty two times faster the than sound. the speed of sound. <laughs> that is so dang fast. I, yeah. Most people don't realize how fast these things in space move, but that's just that's just mind-boggling. But when you're there on it, doesn't feel like it's moving at all. Yeah, yeah, and they're watching this planet move by very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we look up in the sky, we can see it move, but it, it's, I mean, it, it it looks like it's moving across the sky kind of slowly, about the speed that you would think an airplane would move yeah it's just that it's so far away i mean it's out there so that it it in order to make it look like that it has to be moving really really fast fast. yeah you can do the trigonometric math and calculate the arc speed at different distances get you know given the same angular speed and stuff like that yeah uh that's (laughs) that's incredible wow okay all right got a couple of Nonsense items. Uh, okay. A, I gotta get uh, 
Okay, so um, this one just brought. Actually, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, this one brought to mind that old song "Message in a Bottle." Um, who who sang that? Um, yeah, that's a message in a bottle. And I, I forget who even sang it. Um, yeah, but anyway, no, it wasn't the Cars. They they didn't have quite that sound. Um, might have been like the police or somebody like that. Um, I'll have to look that up before we end here. Anyway, Message in a Bottle travels from Florida to Portugal uh, over the course of six years. Okay, so a Canadian couple threw a message into the ocean from Florida uh, during their vacation in 2015. And um, this year, six years later, it was discovered on a Portuguese beach. So how long does it take for a bottle to cross the Atlantic Ocean? Six years. Weird, isn't it? She, um, says... <laughs> yep, don't worry about it. Um, okay, so it says that uh, they wrote a small note asking the finder to contact... Well, she... Is it just one person? I thought she... Yeah, she and her husband. So it's referring to the woman and her husband, but it's all written as she, she, she. Uh, so she put a note in the bottle saying to contact her if the, they found it, included her business card... And dropped a couple bucks in as a uh, incentive or a thank you or whatever. Uh, disappeared into the ocean. Uh, they've got a picture of what, I, of what I'm assuming is the bottle. Um, turned up again uh, during this past weekend. What I, I am looking for is whether they corked the bottle or not. Uh, so I found the bottle and opened it. So it must have been corked. It looks like a wine bottle, sort of. Well, would it be corked or, like, with a plastic thing? Or, uh, well, like, a cork it, it, would absorb the water, and eventually the water would get in there with cork. I, I'm not sure, because I think what would happen, because when they, the the cork wouldn't absorb the water and then leak it through. Rather, the cork would absorb just enough of it to keep the cork healthy. That's why they store wine, even for hundreds of years, sideways. I I don't think so. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, I know they do, but I don't think that's what would happen. I think water would get in as things like, okay, the bottle's floating, the sun's hitting it, the uh, portion of the wet cork on the inside of the bottle would dry because of, and, and then it would condense on the bottle, and then more water would seep into the cork to replace what was uh, dried by the sun. And little by little, you would get these droplets of water on the inside of the bottle that would end up becoming like half full or something. Could you, be, do you, but... Because we found those... corked bottles in the woods that have been there for, say, several years, and a lot of times they're like half full of water. Uh, all right, I'm gonna have to research that, but whatever okay. it is, they had the bottle does not look like. But it they has, did it. Um, threads on the top. Okay, so but they could do like some kind they of did, plastic cork. Could be, yeah. They did. It, oh, it, that's it, true because you have synthetic corks these days. You yeah, see them all the time. So, um, that, that could be what it yeah. was. But have you ever have you ever done that? Not with uh, bottles, but like uh, balloons. Tied a message to a balloon. Call, call me if you oh, get this or something we, we like that. We did that in school. I didn't even understand what we were doing. 
in school. Yeah. I, we, I, I'll, I don't know. I want to say it's third grade maybe. And we, we all went out and we released these balloons. Hey, yeah. I, you know, I didn't understand yeah. that the point was for them to be found and eventually. I did get a candy bar out of it though. Did you? Yeah. The, because somebody. A, a message back. Yeah. Somebody found it. They sent a message back with a candy bar and they even apologized huh. for taking so long because like huh. the, um, the card that I had attached to the balloon, I guess, had like gotten stuck somewhere and oh. it ripped when they were trying to get it out. And so it took them a while to get the other half or maybe they ended up having to call the school to find out whose it might have been or something. I don't know. But mm-hmm. they went through some trouble to, to find out oh. and return it. Well, at least you got a candy bar. Yeah. I I think I, I did it once with the kids. We were like, hey, let's tie... I had extra helium for some reason. I said, "Hey guys, let's let's tie a, a email address or something to it," and we let him go. And mm-hmm. I don't. That's Anybody the last that? we heard of it. No, oh. <laughs> we didn't hear anything. And I found one once with. Oh yeah. I I can't remember what it had. It had something. It wanted us to do something, and I thought, "Okay, I'll do that," and then I forgot about it. Oh. And I never did it. I seem to remember in my, like, third or fourth grade reader, a story about a guy who had found a bottle, and it was actually a will. And whoever found one of these bottles, the first one to find one of these bottles would get this giant estate. Huh. Well, that's uh, interesting. From some rich old lady who didn't have anyone to give it to. I... I don't know if it was a true story or if it was just fiction. Mm-hmm. I always thought that would be cool. So whenever I'd go to the woods, we don't live near a beach or anything, so I've never been to a beach. But when we go to the woods and we see bottles, I always check to see if there's a note oh. in there in case it's someone <laughs> wanting to give me millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I would never think to do that. As I you never know. Whatever. <laughs> I always look. Always. Now now I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Because you never know. Someone, mm-hmm. you might get a million bucks out of it. Okay. And, okay. and it is the police. It was the police. Okay. Message in a bottle is Message in a bottle by the police. Good job. All right. This next pair of messages, or pair of uh, news stories, has me wondering, you know how there's like these TikTok challenges that... that uh, I don't know. I, I guess they must be manufactured yeah. by, by the Chinese I think they're like to, YouTube. to make Americans look stupid or something like that. But things uh, like yeah. swallowing a, a Tide Pack and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, these next two make me wonder if there's like some kind of um, TikTok for animals going on. Um, because two separate stories of animals getting rescued from their heads being stuck in something. One <laughs> is a cat in uh, Turkey with its head stuck inside of a pet food can. And the other is a bear in Florida with its head stuck inside of like a water bottle or something. A uh, big uh, plastic like one of them container jugs stuck over its head. Can you imagine trying to rescue a bear? Yeah, they had to shoot I just wouldn't do it. Oh, it okay. First. Well, they do that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't okay. go close otherwise. <laughs> you know, even while the you... thing's stuck over its head, it's still got his claws. Right. Yeah, it'll kill you. Um, did you ever read Where the Red Fern Grows? We had to 
I think we didn't actually have to read it. It was one of those books in... Um, yeah, it's like a grade school book. Well, I like it was one of those in Mr. Hour's class. Yeah. That I think he kind of was recommending. I never ended up reading it, though. You didn't read it. Okay. No. Um, he has to train these dogs how to hunt. And so in order to do that, he has to catch himself a coon. Uh-huh. And the trap is this. You have a... You put a hole in, say, a tree trunk, and you put, like, a quarter or something shiny in the hole. Mm-hmm. And then you put nails around the edge of the hole so that the animal comes in to grab that whatever is shiny. And once it's got that in its hands, its hands are bigger now and they can't get back out of the hole. Oh, yeah. And what the guy, I've never tested this, but what the guy in the book claimed was that you you can walk right up to it and it will not let go of that thing in order to get his hand out. It will <laughs> hold real. on to the shiny object. I don't know if that's real or not. I've always wondered that. I even thought about uh, making such a trap, but huh. we don't have real. We don't have coons around here. We yeah, have not, possums. Not like that. We have uh, not possums, but rat zombies. Oh, yeah. That's Zombie what I believe <laughs> possums are. I don't. I don't think they're their own creation. I think they're the undead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because they they look like zombies, and they mm-hmm. you can't kill them. They're so nasty. They're so nasty. Um, anyway, I just I, I wonder if that's true. I re- I have always wondered that. Well, I've heard the same thing about it's like true a in the book. Like if you put a banana on the other side, if you make the cage bars yeah. like narrow enough, and they grab a hold of their banana and they won't open their hand to be able to get it back out from the cage bars. Yeah. You know, okay, see I told you about that quarter that I coaxed the monkey into grabbing. That's kind of what I was thinking of as I did that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought once he grabs that quarter, I'm going to grab him. (laughs) He let go of the quarter pretty quick. (laughs) And, And he went ballistic. Yeah. <laughs> it I I thought I was going to get kicked out of the park, but nobody well, seemed to know that I had done it. Yeah, well. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but all uh, right. I okay. So whoever's posting TikTok challenges to animals quit it. <laughs> yeah, dumb. All right. Um this one I I kind of hesitated to even include, but I'm going to go ahead and include it. Uh, I just got to wonder, this this mayor in a uh, city in Maryland, how do you get to be mayor if you're the kind of guy who might do something like this? Um, he's being indicted, uh, or charged rather. Um, I guess Eastern Shore is the name of the city. He's being charged with posting revenge porn of the woman that uh, broke up with him. So oh my gosh. he's the mayor of a city. Uh, he's 32, and he uh, this woman broke up with him, and she had sent uh, nude pictures of herself to him while they were dating or whatever. Yeah, and, and so now they're no him? longer dating. And he went to various um, online accounts that he created, yeah, and posted them. 
And I guess, you know, he, he must have been trying to hide who they were coming from, but when she saw them sh- start showing she up, would she know. called the police. Yeah. Well, exactly. She called the police, and so now he's being charged. Right. It's like, but, uh, you know, first That's of so- all, ladies, don't send nude pictures of yourself to your boyfriends. That's... Yeah. That is just all kinds yeah, of stupid It's just a anyway. dumb thing to do. But, yeah. Yeah. And, but, but, I mean... How does the kind of guy that people would elect to a mayor of their town also be the kind of guy who would do that? that there's something seriously it's wrong. It's a in weird mismatch. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, and the thing is, he's thirty something years old. It it both says something about that generation, and it says something about the political world mm-hmm. here in America, especially in Maryland. Um, and I don't know if it says that a guy like that could get elected. It just says that a guy like that could get the office. Because we're at a point in America where we really don't know who's actually yeah, that's being true. elected. We don't know how the elections really go. All we know is, is what the uh, what the machinery spits out and says right. is how the election goes. I mean, we know for an absolute fact that Joe Biden was not elected. <laughs> yeah. He just wasn't. And There's just no he's way. president anyway, and so it's uh, it's just sad that that this is where we are. Okay, well, it may be sad that this is where we are, but uh, there may be hope for the animal world um, in terms of observing maybe human behavior and uh, seeking to mimic it. Uh, yeah, one um, resourceful buck on the first day of hunting season made its way into a church. I'm thinking maybe he was seeking asylum. Yeah, he wanted sanctuary. <laughs> sanctuary, that's right. How How they how would you get a buck out? <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> like <laughs> That's like almost Once impossible. He's in the church, okay, what, other than shooting it, but the, you don't want to shoot something inside Not of in a church. The church. Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe like a tranquilizer, but um, Yeah. Wow. I just can't imagine. I, I guess you would have to do, a, but even a tranquilizer. If you shot one with a tranquilizer, it's going to go nuts a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can first, you imagine right. it jumping around inside a church? Um, the fact that it's probably going to hurt itself. I guess it jumped through a window to get in, so it had already cut itself a little bit. And yeah. at one point, it made its way up to the balcony. I, I was driving around. Oh, the balcony, and then so now it could jump off. It could, it yeah. could jump like onto the pews and kind of slip there because it doesn't have good footing there. Uh, if it's a Catholic church, it could you know run into like the statues and things like that. I was oh, wait a driving minute. through. Okay, no, it, it doesn't say that it got in leaping through a window. It eventually leapt out through a window and and returned back to the wild. Okay, so it got away. Yeah. Okay. I was uh, in Blue Ash once, and there was a deer that had... Hold on. Oh, okay. I The dog barked, and then I heard a door open, and oh. I was trying to figure out who the heck is coming in. It's just Thomas. Um, I saw a deer that had been, I guess, hit by a car, and it had been injured to the point where it couldn't run. Uh, I think two of its legs were broken, but the front two were not broken. So it was using them to just kind of half leap, half drag itself mm-hmm. 
uh, from spot to spot. And the cop uh, was armed with a 12-gauge trying to put it down, but it wouldn't it wouldn't stay in a spot where it would be safe to shoot it without the possibility oh, of hitting yeah. someone else. Because it's out of the way. Uh, it was giving him it was giving him a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> I think he kind of gave up on trying to put it down. He, I think he ended up calling the SPCA. Maybe they came and used a uh, tranquilizer because mm-hmm. it just they couldn't get it to be still. Wow. Okay. So. So you didn't stick around until they got there. No, I would. I had to. I was on a Move job. Get to work, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. Because you could have asked for the deer. Or, I don't know if they let you have it or not. Uh, I, I think I told you about Pee Wee did that once. Yeah, and they, well, the guy who came to get it said, "No, I'm taking it." Yeah, he just threw it in his truck <laughs> oh, and left. Okay. And he was a jerk about it too. Yeah, and although Pee-wee now Pee Wee can do that. Yeah, but I think. That's right. The, that deer didn't need to be put down. It was already down, I right. think. I don't remember now. Oh, well. All right. Last uh, nonsense news. A man in Russia is arrested for talking about yoga. For talking about yoga. So, apparently, Russia has... It, it's They're billing it as an anti-terrorist law. And their solution to fighting terrorism is just saying is just basically saying you're not allowed to do any missionary activity. Probably there's a way to apply for licenses to be a missionary and then, you know, you can do missionary activity according to, you know, whatever the local licensed agreement and what the local government lets you do. But basically, um, if you're not approved, your missionary activity is illegal. And so this fellow who, you know, was giving a seminar um, talk about the philosophy of yoga was arrested for illegal missionary activity. Well, that's kind of that's just kind of weird. It is I weird. Mean, <laughs> I understand I mean, the anti-missionary stuff because um, the terrorism you know, Satan, and radicalization and stuff. Yeah. Well, there's that, and the fact that Satan hates uh, us spreading the word of God, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so he uh, whenever, would use communist countries to prevent that. Yeah, and and that's been the case for a long time. But yoga, huh? <laughs> well, yoga is a religion, you know. That's why it's so bad for Christians to do because the movements yeah, in yoga are actually worship movements of Indian gods. Most people don't accept that. Even the ones who you tell are well, no, yeah, but I just do it to stretch, or I just do it. Well, why don't you just stretch then? Yeah, well, yeah I, just stretch. You don't need to do prayers. It's like, well, okay, I just practice my singing, but I do it by singing, uh, you know, hymns to satanic pagan music gods or and stuff like that. Well, yeah, okay. it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Don't do yoga. Yeah, uh, especially evil. not in Russia. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> at least don't jail. teach anybody to do it in Russia. Yeah. Okay. That's all I well, got. Uh, we do have a saint, uh, three saints actually. Three. Uh, Agape, Irene, and Chionia. C H I O N I A. Okay. Agape is A G A P E, the, the Greek word for love. Mm-hmm. Um, these, uh, three 
women died in 304 during the uh, Diocletian persecution. In uh, Thessalonica, uh, I guess this is near Italy. Okay. In Italy. Yep. Um, so they, the three of them are sisters. They were uh, orphaned at a pretty early age. And they were brought up by a priest named Zeno. And uh, they were, you know, brought up Christian. They had, they were beautiful women who had been proposed to many times and had turned down marriage. Um, the priest Zeno had, had been told by Anastasia, who was, uh, known as Anastasia the Deliverer from Potions, because she would visit Christians in prison and often, uh, give them medicine or cure them from poisons that they had been given. Oh. I, so I, I mean, a lot of times in trying to get Christians to um, renounce Christ, they would use potions. Uh, and a lot of times they would actually just be poisons. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people would suffer from that. And this uh, saint from that time, Anastasia, would go and deliver comfort or even cures to people in prison who were suffering from that. Anyway, she had had a vision that Zeno would die soon and that the girls would all become martyrs. Okay. So she visited and she told Zeno this and she told the girls and she encouraged them to uh, be brave through what was coming their way. And soon after that, Zeno did die and the girls were arrested. Um they were brought before the emperor Diocletian. He, uh, he wanted to marry them because they were all beautiful. Um, and they all refused that. Then he demanded that they sacrifice to the gods. Uh, they replied that these gods were silly man-made objects and laughed at him. Uh, this made him angry. He was getting ready to leave for Macedonia and he ordered them to go with him. Once there, he had them sent to the court of Ducititus. Uh, Ducititus, uh, D-U-C-I-T-I-T-U-S, hmm. was also aroused by the women, and he wanted to marry them, but they wouldn't have anything to do with him either. Um, he was angry, so he had them thrown into these cells, and then he tried to sneak in the cell at night where he planned to uh force them into something but he couldn't he couldn't get the door open huh. and then as he tried to leave uh he was kind of struck blind and he couldn't see anything and he stumbled around until he fell down in the kitchen where he was covered in ashes and uh finally his his servants you know found him and uh, he saw himself in the mirror and realized that he had been made a fool. And it sent him into a rage. So he, the next day he calls them in for trial. And he orders his guards to strip them from their clothing. But the guards were unable to get their clothing off. It was like they were glued to them or something. Huh. Uh, 
he's attempting to deal with this when he falls asleep. And then he wouldn't wake up until they had taken him all the way into his house. Once they had him in his house, he woke up. Um, he, Diocletian hears all of this, hears about it, and he's angered because he's expected these girls to already have been put to death. So he sends the three girls to another governor, uh, Sicinius. S-I-S-I-N-I-U-S. Why do all these Sicinius. people have difficult... Sicinius. <laughs> Sicinius. Sicinius. Yeah. Why do they all have difficult names to say? Why can't they be just called John Roman. or Joe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sicinius ordered uh, Irene, the youngest, to sacrifice to the gods, and she wouldn't. So he sends her to prison. Then he's got... Chionia, that's C-H-I-O-N-I-A, and Agape uh, to sacrifice, and they won't do it. So he has them burned and gives, allows Irene to view this from her prison, um, you know, hoping to change her mind. Right. After the fire, they go to get the charred bodies, but the bodies are not charred. And the clothes haven't even burned off. Oh, okay. Uh, so Sicinius, but they did die. Okay. Uh, interesting. Luckily, they only had to die once. Usually some of these people have to die like six times. They didn't re-die. If you listen to our other saint stories, a lot of these early century saints, like, would die and then Come back and have to die again. Yeah. Or, I mean, be like beaten to be the beat point up. of death or, or, you know, limbs cut off or whatever and they'd be miraculously healed so that they could go back and do it again. Yeah. Uh, but they were dead. It's just they hadn't been burned. Um, whoops. All right. Um, so, Sicinius, uh, you know, sends for Irene again. Meanwhile, he had searched their home and had found the sacred texts that she had there. Apparently, she had some scripture, some copies of scripture there. So he ordered her and the sacred texts to be burned. Now, there's a couple different directions that this story goes from here. And I'm going to choose one, and it might not be the same one other people have heard or other people find. Uh, he orders her not to be burned, but taken to a brothel where, uh, she could be molested by other men. And the soldiers head off to the brothel, but they are stopped by two other soldiers who have credentials and say, look, uh, Sicinius wants you to take these, uh, Irene to the top of a hill and leave her there. And... I don't know if they have some kind of mark on orders, but that's what they had. So the two soldiers are like, oh, okay, instead of taking her to the brothel, we'll take her to the top of this hill and leave her there. Okay. And they do that and then go back to Sicinius. So, okay, we took her to a hill and left her there. And he <laughs> goes into an outrage. It's like, you idiots, I didn't tell you. To do. So uh, he grabs a bunch of soldiers and goes after her. Uh, they find her on this hilltop 
on like the summit of this small mountain, but they're unable to get to her. They couldn't. They kept circling and couldn't find a path to the summit. Hmm. Uh, she's standing on the hilltop and she's kind of mocking Sicinius because he's threatening her, and she's mocking his impotence. And finally, uh, one of the soldiers uh, shoots an arrow for, and it hits her in the neck, and she dies there. Okay. Uh, the body never being obtained by Sicinius. Mm-hmm. And that is the story of Agape, Chionia, and Irene. And Irene. Of uh, Thessalonica. Wow. Uh, they do not have... I, I couldn't... They, they're not the patron of anything. It's just they're, you know, a group of mm-hmm. early saints that are much like all the other early saints. I, I don't know why, as I said, I, I'm just going alphabetically and picking out saints that have interesting stories. I don't, I'm still in the A's and I don't know why there are so many, uh, Diocletian martyrs. Is, is it like that throughout the rest of the alphabet? I bet there, I bet it is. Yeah, I mean, because there's three a, different letters here. I mean, there's a reason that's called the Age of Martyrs, the first 400 years of the church's history. Yeah, so I guess, I guess I'm going to be running into this a lot. We're just, I don't know. I guess eventually I'm going to have to start saying, okay, no more no more Diocletian martyrs. Maybe we got to, <laughs> okay, but we've had like, at, at least, like you know, nine or ten of them yeah, by now. Sprinkle some some medieval and and uh, you know maybe even some yeah every now and then I skip ahead <laughs> and try to get something but it's like the vast majority are from uh, three hundred A.D. Yeah. Oh well, but you know Saints Agape, Irene, and Chionia. Pray for us. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Strengthen our our church leaders to try to be. Try to be that strong to I know resist. Like you read what idolatry these went through, and we got we got bishops who are openly. I mean, what do uh, bishops have to face today if they were to, you know, do something uh, strong for the faith? Oh well, somebody in the press might criticize them. That's what they have to yeah. face. Or Pope Francis might criticize them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just we need strength to stand up, not. Not to Joe Biden, but to Pope Francis, mm-hmm. and I don't mean. I mean, they can't disobey disobey him, him but, but but yeah, they gotta. We gotta stand up to this guy. It's wrong to pretend that we agree with him. Mm-hmm. He's got to be defied, in a sense, corrected. Okay, well, uh, I guess that's all we got then. All right, well, it's a good podcast. Well, folks. Think about what we said, and uh, as always, circle the beads, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.